You are Locked On ACC, your daily podcast on the Atlantic Coast Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Happy Friday. So glad to have you back here for another edition of Locked on ACC. Be sure to tune in to us every single day for up to 30 minutes with my five great co-hosts. It's Freestyle Friday and Jersey Drake is not with us today, but we have a pinch hitter who is ready to take the mound and he is going to rock it out. Kenton Gibbs from Locked on Wolfpack holding it down for the squad. Today's episode, we got all things NBA draft to go over seven ACC players heard their names called. We're going to talk about them. And then we also are going to end with a little conversation to round out getting thoughts from Kenton on ACC media day and how we are a couple steps closer to having the football season kick off. Hope you all have had a great week. Kenton Gibbs. I hope you've had a great week as well. Yeah, everything's been good on my end. Um, you know, it's at, at the end of the day in the times that we're living in, nothing uh, catastrophic happening is a good All in all, I'm good. A hundred percent. Now there's so much to go over when it comes to NBA draft. I hope you guys tuned in to the live NBA draft show. I saw the setup. It was beautiful. The live coverage on YouTube. If you have not yet followed the log on NBA draft, you are doing yourself a disservice. Make sure you check out. Rafael Barlow and John Corrales, they held it down, certainly throughout the night, some great picks. Overall, what were your you know, initial takeaways from the draft? Was it everyone you expected or were there any surprises? Does the NBA not like guys over 6'9 anymore? <laughs> Did, what's, what's happened? It's just, I know that this is a very guard-heavy draft. The guards in this draft uh, were spectacular. Shout out to Kay Cunningham going to the Pistons. Some of the bigs that were just like some of the best bigs in the country, nobody even considered. I mean, the Pistons were able to snatch up Luke Garza in the back end of the second round of the draft. And this is a guy who's a two-time All-American, two-time Big Ten player of the year in two years at Ivy. So, I mean, there's there's a lot to be said here. Uh, Dayron Sharp, if we're, we're talking ACC, was one of the first bigs off the board. I don't think that there was any other guy. 6'10 or taller who got drafted. And I don't, I'm not even sure if they were on at 16. So, I mean, yeah, that's, fair enough. that's uh, pretty much all my biggest takeaway here. It, I remember the days of the NBA where you drafted Sam Bowie over Michael Jordan because you take the big guy, which, of course, turned out to be wrong guy in that case. But Hakeem Olajuwon was drafted in that draft as well. And I don't hear any uh, Rockets fans complain about that. 100%. And I was going to ask you, is it more so because we've seen the greatness that is – Kevin Durant, tall, lean, long, and being able to be a sharpshooter. And, I mean, you're not gonna, finding a LeBron James is nearly impossible. That's a one in a million lightning strikes, one situation. But when you have a guard who or guard, have a big man who can do it all, is that kind of the only way you'll see them in the top of the draft board? I mean, I, I guess. But the thing that is most confusing to me about that is if you look at some of the top teams in the NBA, right? So I think we can all agree this last year, we saw more all-stars injured than ever before, statistically speaking, in the playoffs. So this year was a little bit of a one-off. But even if you stretch from last year and the last maybe five or six years, 
if if you don't have an absolutely transcendent talent in your backcourt, you're going to need a really, really good group of bigs. If that's still the case in basketball. If you look at the 2020 championship, you had the Lakers in a situation where, I mean, they're, they're big guys at the time. It was, I want to say it was uh, Anthony Davis and JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard. All very quality bigs. All very quality bigs. You go the year before that, you look at, uh, I want to say 2019 was the, the Toronto Raptors, correct? The Toronto Raptors had uh, Pascal Siakam. They had Mark Gasol. They had, of course, Kawhi was the engine that drove the train, but they still had very good bigs. Their, their front court was nothing to be slept on, even when you're going outside the wing. The wing. You go back before that, you've got the Warriors and, and uh, the Cavs, and those are situations where you're, you've got Kevin Durant and uh, you've got Kevin Durant and Steph Curry, so that's a little different. you got the Warriors back-to-back there. Hey, if you got three of the top five players, it don't matter who you put, or three of the top ten players in the league on your team, don't matter who you're putting up there, especially when LeBron is going out there with Kyle Korver and uh, Tristan Thompson. But even still, that Cavs team has some decent bigs. So to me, I'm a little confused as to why we're moving away from bigs in the draft. A hundred percent. Well, there are some guys who certainly want to make a way for themselves and all the names that you mentioned, they hope to have careers similar to, if not better than, and bringing up the first round for ACC players. The first round saw number four pick Scotty Barnes out of Florida State. He was a third team, all ACC selection, freshman of the year, sixth man of the year. He averaged 10 and a half points. Four rebounds, and he definitely was a key and glue to the Florida State's arsenal throughout this season. Florida State, great, you know, having a lot of guys with Patrick Williams being number four pick last year. You've seen Trey, what is it? Is it uh, Mr. Mann? That's his name? Terrence Mann. Terrence Mann, there it is. Coming out of Florida State as well. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, Leonard Hamilton is showing that he can get guys to the next level despite the fact that his Benches are so deep and, you know, playing time probably not as superstar level as some you know, players would want. But at the end of the day, you definitely get to showcase your talent. Absolutely. Um, the Florida State is one of those teams. They're always going to be tall. They're going to be deep. They're going to be athletic. Scotty Barnes fits that build. He is an athletic guy. He has a lot of skill as far as handling the ball. And he doesn't seem to be timid of taking uh, big shots. I would call him a poor man's Ben Simmons with probably more shooting. And overall, I think he'll be a great, you know, star at in Toronto. Toronto knows that they don't have stars for long, but they definitely have great opportunities for him for sure. Now we also have Trey Murphy, who was in the first round 17th pick out of Virginia. He is headed to Memphis with a proposed trade to the New Orleans Pelicans. He averaged only 11 points per game with three rebounds last season for the Cavs. And he came off the bench. A lot of people were talking about the fact that, you know, he didn't get the kind of shine that he wanted, but he took his talents and looked into the combine situation, decided to stay, get that agent. And he was like, all right, I got my shot. He's a shooter, 50% from the field, 43% shooting range, and 92% from free throw, which a lot of people can say, and they've seen in these past couple NBA finals, that free throws are certainly key. I think that he is going to be a great asset for the Pelicans because they definitely are in need of some sharpshooters. When, when your key piece 
is a guy who can score down low like Zion. You need shooting. You need spacing in order to allow him to slash and cut. If you got a bunch of shooters out there that are not giving you any love uh, as far as that, you're going to be in a tough space. Trey Murphy, to me, is a guy who could end up having the longest career out of, out of most of the guys in this draft. And the reason I say that is because we've seen it time and time again. If you can stand in a corner and hit two of four, two of five threes for every game of the season and play good defense, you'll have a job for forever. Ask Trevor Ariza. Has he ever been an all-star? No. What does he do? Stands in that corner, hits two of five threes. And actually, two of five is 40%. Most guys aren't shooting that. So one and a half of five threes a game, and you'll have a career for as long as you want. And uh, Trey is definitely one of those guys. He, he went to Virginia intentionally to learn how to get in the stance and learn how to defend. And I think that that says a lot about his self-awareness. Now, with that type of self-awareness, with his shooting stroke, the only player in the country to go 50, 40, 90 last year, as you alluded to earlier, it will serve him well as far as going forward in the NBA. And, you know, I think it's you know, really pertinent to talk about the three and D guys. I know he's not your favorite, but Danny Green has made himself a career from the fact that he can shoot that ball and he can just pin well. Like age is not exactly his best friend right now, but at the time he knew he was on, he was out of the league and got himself back in by really honing in on the shoes. Oh, absolutely. And, and Danny Green, I have no problem with the man. I, I admire his dedication to beating LeBron, even when he's on the same team as him. It's, <laughs> it's impressive. But um, at the end of the day, Danny Green's a perfect example, right? You look at Danny Green and you say, okay, outside of his three ball, what does Danny Green give you offensively? Cricket. <laughs> Nothing. But guess what? That three ball is immensely valuable in you. If you can stand in the corner and you can let your star player do the cutting and driving, and when he kicks it out to you because the defense is rotating or pre-rotate, and you get to get a bucket there, if you can get to the basket once every blue moon, J.J. Redick has only dunked once in his entire career. Once. How long is this career? I mean, look, at the end of the day, all you got to do is knock down the shots when you're open and play a little bit of defense, just a smear, just a skosh of defense, and you'll be all right. And Trey is definitely in that category of, of uh, guys who can, who can defend. He has the length to do it. He has the athleticism to do it. It is up to him to want to be a willing defender. And like I said, I think he'll be a, a great uh, player here. It didn't get drafted to the uh, Pelicans. So with what they need, with as far as not only the floor spacing, they need better defenders on the wing. I think it's a perfect fit. Jalen Johnson, another first-round pick, number 20 overall, going to the Atlanta Hawks. He went to Duke for a couple of games, right? <laughs> Had some good starts. Played 13 games for, throughout his career. He was twice named ACC Freshman of the Week and ACC's leading freshman score when he declared for the draft in mid-February. I don't exactly understand this pick. And I know that I talked about how much big guys are worth, and now I'm looking at Jalen Johnson like, huh? But I, I don't understand it only from a standpoint of um, this was a situation where there was, there was a lack of attention to detail and a lack of fight on his end that I saw this season. That would, if I'm an NBA scout, 
I'm not sure I take you in in the mid first or late first. Not sure. It's interesting you say that because Cam Reddish has gotten a lot of flags sometimes about his kind of want to, but he showed some improvement and some growth certainly towards the end of the season. And they'll now be teammates, but pretty telling. Um, I mean, that was all T and shade towards Duke, but here we are. I want to go to my final guy in the first round, Dayron Sharp, 29th overall to the Suns, but a proposed trade going to the Brooklyn Nets. And he will be definitely one of those big men to help out those Nets who also need defense, which is something Dayron's not great at. So I'm a little, you know, perturbed by the, I'm, I'm not perturbed. I'm a little, I'm trying to understand this pick better because that's not his fortitude. That's not his fortitude. He also struggles, you know, with some of the silly mistakes that I think will just come with age and maturity. In his- the thing about the Nets, you have Kyrie, you have Hard, you have Tate, three of the best offensive talents in today's. Nobody can argue that they did not need more big bodies last year. Nobody can argue a large part of beating Giannis. If you want to beat the Bucks, you got to beat Giannis first. In order to beat Giannis, you have to be able to what what the uh, Raptors call build a wall. Dayron Sharp may not be the best defender, in the world, but you know what? He's a big body that can stand at that realm, keep his shoulders square, and build that wall up to make Giannis have to shoot from 10, 15, maybe even further feet away. Because at the end of the day, that's the only hope you got. If you think, oh, we've got one big that's good at defending, people are, are giving DeAndre Ayton all the – can I say the word hell? Mm-hmm. I, okay, they're giving DeAndre Ayton a lot of hell about allowing Giannis to score 50. And I'm just like, did y'all watch the game? It was not a, a lack of effort or lack of trying on DeAndre Ayton's part. It's just you're going up against a generational talent when it comes to finishing around the rim. So that's bound to happen. When I am talking about what Dayron Sharp is or is not, he's a big body. He is probably the hardest working rebounder in this draft class. So that's that. I mean, you got three guys that shoot a lot. You need a rebound. He could be it. You know what's crazy? I see a Giannis you getting blocked by Dayron in the future or Dayron a welcome to the league uh, dunk in his. Well, I mean, he's a big. It's going to happen. It's going gonna, it's gonna to happen, even if it's not him. Now, people forget all the great bigs in the history of the NBA. You can go back to almost each and every one of them and point out a moment where somebody baptized them on that court, be it uh, Dwight Howard having Kobe yam all over his head, be it uh, uh, Tim Duncan having Jordan go up and, and do some foolishness off a windmill on him. You, you got a lot of guys who, at the end of the day, if you're big, Alonzo Mourning was the king of getting dunked on. And now look at him, a Hall of Famer. So, I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's like saying that it's a, you know, there's a corner in the NFL that's going to get burned one day. Of course, you're a corner. You play against the best receiver in the world. It's going to happen. For sure. We'll touch on the second round group of guys here. But first, I want to remind you that Bill Bar has so many delicious flavors, best tasting protein bar ever. When you talk to a Bill Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their faves. Make sure you guys check out the nine delicious flavors. If you haven't tried them all, you can get a mixed box room, get two of each of the nine. Not only are Built Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're healthy too. They've got great macros with 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, and only 45 grams of sugar. 
Amazing flavors, all tasty, and again, all nutritious. If you order today, make sure you get your salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookie creams, or whatever you like. Bill Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. Super awesome. Shout out to the Olympians who are starting this week on the track and field events. Go to BillBar.com right now. Use promo code LOCK15. You'll get 15% off your next order. So we have seven ACC players chosen in the 2021 NBA draft. Just br- briefly touching on the first round, guys, and now headed to the second round. David Johnson out of Louisville going to Toronto. Balsa Cobra Vika, there it is, going to Florida or from Florida State, going to the Charlotte Hornets. And Raekwon Gray, again from Florida State, going to Brooklyn. He was the 59th pick. Says a lot about Leonard Hamilton and his squad. And I think overall really speaks to where kind of basketball is shifting. We're so used to having Duke guys' names like flooded in and Carolina guys' names flooding in. And now we're seeing kind of that shift and, you know, having a couple Virginia guys in there and a couple guys who were undrafted free agents, Jose Alvarado and company of the like Georgia Tech ACC champion, getting their shots and opportunities. It's just nice to see these dreams kind of come to fruition. I think Raekwon Gray is going to have one of the better careers as well. Again, being able to be a a strong guy, powerful guy going to the Nets. It doesn't hurt <laughs> to be going to a team that's already in playoff contention. Absolutely. The Nets need rebounding. The Nets needed folks who were going to be um, good at just at the end of the day, pulling the ball off the board. When you have superstars, I, everybody has a role. Okay. And sometimes you have a guy whose role is to score 30, shoot, 40-point jump shots, et cetera, et cetera, like a step. For every step, you need a dream up. You need a guy who's going to do the emotional thing, do the, the screaming, the hollering, the, the fighting, strapping, clawing for every single thing, every single bar. He's one of those guys. He does that. Absolutely. And I think it was funny that some people were griping on me on Twitter when they had people comparing Scotty Barnes to Draymond Green, and I'm like, I don't think Scotty is in that lane. Of course, you know, people were saying Draymond Green is a Hall of Fame player, but Raekwon gives that more of that energy. Someone who has explosive, high, you know, octane when it comes to just being on the floor, he's going to shift the energy on the court. And I think, I hope that's, you know, what he brings to those nets. Because again, seems like it's going to be a lot of ups and downs, but he and Dayron certainly will have a great time just exploring. Now, I want to know your thoughts on Balsa going to the Hornets because. A lot has been talked about with LaMelo Ball, and I see the Hornets actually stepping up their game in terms of including or being more mindful about who they pick, right? They're not, and then you had Book Knight as well, not an ACC player, but still going to be a great maybe backcourt addition for the Hornets. I'm excited, you know, as a North Carolina native, just to see maybe can we get Charlotte in a better conversation and situation? You know, Balsa is one of the guys that, he, he has been one of the bigs that you look at around the country and you're like, oh, okay, it's a seven-footer uh, who can play again. His, his game is very raw. There's a lot of upside there. There's a lot of potential there. But at the end of the day, a guy that's averaging almost, uh, what is it, 10 and a half, 11 rebounds in the game, three blocks a game, you're looking at a good situation for the Charlotte Hornets. They drafted a guard in the first round, and, and me and my uh, me and my homeboys were talking about this. And I said, I said to them before the draft, I said, 
Charlotte's going to draft the guard in the first round. And they said, no way, they're going big. I said, no, they're not. And look, guard. But anywho, uh, I think that Balsa is something that they desperately need because at the end of the day, you're not running a lineup out there where you got Miles Bridges at five. You're not doing it. You need some big bodies on the court. Uh, you need some guys out there who are going to be able to pull down the rebound, who are going to be able to, I mean, at the end of the day, a good rim protector is, they say love covers over a multitude of sins. There's a reason why Rudy Gobert is getting as much as he's getting and only scoring 11, 12 points a game. A great rim detector covers over every scene defensively, okay? So as long as folks are, are willing to give the effort defensively in Charlotte, if Balsa can bring his rim protection there, they'll be just. And I think that if you have not yet, if you don't know, we have a locked on Louisville podcast, and I strongly encourage you guys to hit up that podcast, download, subscribe on the Odyssey app, and hear more about David Johnson. I'm sure there'll be a full show with his you know, analysis and how great he'll be for the Toronto Raptors as well. So again, seven ACC players chosen in the NBA 2021 NBA draft. An amazing start to what should be more accolades for our conference. Now switching gears, talking about football to round out the show. I know that ACC Media Day was one that, you know, Ken Gibbs wanted to get a little uh, commentary in there talking about his coach because I would love to hear thoughts on Dave Doran because he was one of the only coaches who actually enjoyed having no divisional rivalries this past season. And I want to get your takes and thoughts. Do you agree with Coach Doran or were you feeling like, let's just get back to normal, let's get back to the Atlantic and Coastal and go about our way? You know, the first thing that I'm going to say here, because I, I'm I'm a I'm a break out my preacher's style and my hot water because it's it's about to get aggressive in here. But I I don't understand the thought that oh well even under Doran Stern under his best years there's never a year where they would have won the coastal. <laughs> Who cares? It's not about sometimes people sometimes you want a thing to be better just so it's better, not for you. Not for, oh, this would have served me in this way in this situation. Sometimes you just say, eh, this isn't working well enough. So you want something to be better for everyone. I know in America, that's a very hard concept for us to grasp. But, you know, the ability to make something better for everybody sometimes supersedes your own wants and needs. Now, when we talk about getting rid of division altogether, I am a thousand percent for it. There is no way that two teams in the same conference should go seven years without seeing each other. Like I've always said, and like if you've ever heard me talk about this before, every player deserves the chance to go to Virginia Tech at least one time in their career. Every player deserves that. Every player deserves the chance to go to Death Valley one time in their career. Every player deserves the ability to, to do that as far as football goes. And, and so when we're sitting here looking at the division situation, not only should the coastal craziness be enough to incentivize it, but also do we miss out on the best two teams? How often does that happen? That's the question. Because to me, any system that's in play, just because it's been there or just because it's the way it's quote unquote always been, doesn't mean that's the way it always should be. If we think about the history of the ACC, how many times? did we not have the best two teams in the uh, conference? Ever since 
Dabo has been at Clemson. We have talked about how in the beginning it was Clemson, it was Florida State. Back to back every year, whoever won that game won the conference because whoever was on the coastal was just showing up to get beat by 20. That should not. Okay. Outside of that one year with the uh, onside kick for, for, uh, the unit, for UNC, there's no reason why we're talking about, oh, we need to keep the divisions. The, 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 the divisions are the division. Shut up, stupid. Let's go ahead and break these divisions up, do it to where everybody gets a shot at everybody else for the most part, and then we go on to have the two best, not the one best out of this group of teams, and then one best out of this group of teams. No, just give me the two best. I don't care if they played already. I don't care. Bring them on. All right. Well, we love a good sound off and good conversation and final thoughts from Kenny Gibbs. If you want to listen to any more of his podcast, I strongly urge you to follow Locked on Wolfpack. Kenny, can you remind folks of where they can find you, follow your work? Sure thing. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, you can find Locked on Wolfpack. You can find me on Twitter at LO underscore Wolfpack. Um, and my personal page is TGIF underscore Kenton. At the end of the day, uh, that is my personal page. So you're going to get the person, not just the sports analyst there. But, uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. Uh, Facts Over Acts as well is another place you can find my work. And uh, that's that's pretty much all I got for you. Like I said, stop being crazy about divisions. Let it go. All right? Let it go. There's, there have been many atrocities that we've said it's the way it's always been to excuse. Let's not let ACC divisions be one of them anymore. And, by the way, I'm not comparing the divisions of the ACC to those atrocities. You know the ones I'm talking about. But – it's still stupid to have divisions just for the sake of Absolutely. Well, we appreciate your time, guys. We hope you have a great weekend. We'll be back on Monday with Ken Gibbs again, and we'll talk all things more football as the countdown is on 34 days out. We are excited to see our teams in action. Stay smart and safe out there. Please wear your mask. Do whatever you need to do to get us back to normalcy. Till next time. You are Locked On ACC, your daily podcast on the Atlantic Coast Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.